All right, here we go. Week three of It Doesn't Make Sense. So just I'm going to keep with the theme that we had the first two weeks. And if, if you didn't hear any of the first two weeks sermons, you can go back to our website and you can catch them. But we start out by um, talking about some things that personally don't make sense to me. Scots are different. Mine are different. So it doesn't make sense to me that milk, milk is now made from almonds and oats and not just cows. And I like it. I like it. That doesn't make sense to me. Or, or it doesn't make sense that anyone can become an expert on any topic in 10 minutes by watching a YouTube video. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that YouTube was started 17 years ago. So if you're 17 or older, you're like, wow, YouTube. All right, what would we do without YouTube? What's interesting, I did some research, do you know that YouTube was launched on Valentine's Day, February 14th? Why? I have no idea. I just thought it was an interesting fact. All right, it doesn't make sense that you can drink a drink, but you can't food a food. <laughs> you never thought about that one, did you? It doesn't make sense that the word fridge, which is short for refrigerator, has a D in it, but the full word refrigerator doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Or it doesn't make sense. It pains me to do this one. It doesn't make sense that the Eagles are still undefeated. <laughs> How many weeks do I have to say that? It's killing me. But I gotta, I gotta give it to you, I gotta give it to you. And here's, here's the last one. It doesn't make sense that I'm willing to pay an already wealthy credit card company 19% interest for my impulse spending. Yeah, that one gets quiet. There's no laughing to that one, is there? That one's painful. Sometimes it's 23, 24. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me at all. So last week, one of the things that I mentioned was comparison will always kill contentment. And I love thinking of these short, sticky phrases because they, it, it, hopefully it'll come back to you at some point through the week. And, and when you find yourself comparing to someone else, you'll, you'll remember that, oh, that, that kills my contentment. Well, I started thinking about that and I thought, you know what? There's something else that kills contentment. Complacency. Complacency can also steal your contentment. Listen to, 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 the Bible never tells us at any point to be complacent. You're never going to find it. The Bible doesn't tell us to be lazy. In fact, it tells us the opposite. It, it tells us, and I, and I believe this, I've seen this, I believe that God rewards hard work. I believe that. Listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring great wealth. I believe that. I believe that. Or, or what about this one in Psalm 75, 6 and 7? This one's really interesting because I believe that promotion also comes from the Lord. Psalm 75, 6, uh, verses 6 and 7 says, no one, no one 
from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves, it is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. I believe God honors hard work. I think working hard and, and trying to further yourself, I think it's a good thing as long as you realize that Christ is at the center of that. When he gets pushed out of that circle, that's when it becomes a problem. And so today, I want to talk about three pillars of biblical stewardship. Now, I want to stop right there because that word stewardship, that's one of those churchy words. And I don't want to ever be like, think everybody understands what that means. Because when I first came into church and you started using these churchy words, I'm like, I sure wish a pastor would explain what that means. I'm probably the only one who doesn't know what that means. So stewardship, I love the definition that Webster's gives us. It's, it's perfect. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. I'm going to say it again. This is a great time to write notes. I love seeing those pens go. I assume that when your head's down, you're not sleeping, you're taking notes. So that's a good thing. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Now, I believe that can go even further than money. I believe children is another one. Your career is another one. Whatever is entrusted to you, you need to be a good steward. Time is another one. We are all given the same amount of time, but we use it differently. We steward it differently. It's completely up to you. Are you responsible with those things? So I think we can break our financial stewardship down to three areas, three basic categories, spend, save, and give. Those are the three basic things that I believe that you can do with what God has given you. Now, here's some questions because you know I like to ask questions. What money spending habits do I have that are life draining? What do I do with my money that is actually life draining, that doesn't feel good? Here's an example paying that 23% interest on your credit card is life draining. Every month, maybe like you, I get a mortgage statement and I have to pay my mortgage and I always look at the, the principal and the interest. I don't know why, because it makes me want to cry every time I do it. If you haven't done it, do it this, this month. It's a real eye-opener. It's a real eye-opener. It doesn't feel good. Or what money-spending habits do I have that give life? What does it feel like when you give at church? Is it, is it with gnashing of teeth you write the check or you give or you text? Is, is that, is that, or is it life-giving? Have you come to the point in your life where, where giving actually feels good? Have you ever been at a drive-thru or somewhere and, and you pull up and, and you ordered a coffee or whatever and the lady says, oh, the person in front of you paid for it? That's life-giving to me. But you know what it makes me want to do immediately? What, what if I pay for the person behind me? And before I say that, I'm, I look to see how many people are in the car. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe a little bit I peek. But what if I pay for the person behind me? And then what if that person 
pays for the next person. Generosity can be contagious, and it's life-giving, and it can be a simple cup of coffee. Do you know how you could make somebody's day with a $2, unless you go to Starbucks and get ripped off for $5 cup of coffee? Do you know how life-giving that can be, not just for the person you've done it to, but for you? It's amazing. It really, really is. So here we go. Spend. Let's talk a little bit about spending. Let's talk a little bit about budgets. I'm not going to ask to raise hands who has a budget at home. I know already, because I get to do this awesome thing here at GT, when people want to get married, we do what's called premarital coaching. I don't call it counseling. I'm not a counselor, but I want to coach young couples in 10 major areas before they get married because I know they're going to fight about some things. So if I can identify some, some potential problem areas in their life and come up with a plan before you're married, I think I can help set you up for a better marriage. And one of the things we talk about is money. And it gets a little salty when we start talking about money because here's normally what happens because opposites attract. Why? I don't know. Just look at my wife and I. Ugly one, she's the beautiful one. I don't know. I got the better of the deal. She didn't. She's smarter than me. I'm not, I just, I want out. Tough luck, honey. Too bad. Here's what I see a lot. One person in the relationship is a spender and one is a saver. And I'm like, y'all better buckle in because this is going to be a tough session right here. And we start talking about it, and it, it, yep, I've seen tears. It gets crazy because one is a spender and one is a saver. And then I ask this question, do either of you have a budget or know what a budget is? And I would say legitimately 80 to 90% of young people that I, that I coach, they don't have a budget. Now, I try not to react, but I'm super surprised. And so what I do is I actually have a very detailed sheet. And their homework is first to not be mad at each other and pray for one another because you're really mad at each other right now. But then you have a week to, to fill out a budget. And every single time they come back with this piece of paper, it's almost like I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's a tool to help them. And it's very, very simple. You can't spend more than you bring in. It's pretty simple, right? But if you don't have a budget, you don't even realize that because here in America, do you ever hear of a thing called impulse spending? Mm-hmm. Nothing good about impulse spending at all. That's where that 23% interest rate comes in. So a lot of times I'll hear the couple say, well, well, you know, I just, I see something I want to buy and it doesn't seem like a big deal, you know. It, I, it, they, feel, they feel like I'm trying to like bring them down and handcuff them, whatever. I'm like, no. When you have a budget, it's freeing. When you have a budget, when you can see how much in each category you have to spend and you keep track with that, you will live a life of financial freedom instead of a guessing game at the end of every month. One of the things that blows me away where a lot of people spend their money and they don't realize how much is you track uh, eating out. Eating out. 
the average, I went back and I, I keep all this stuff, the average of what people spend eating out a month, $400 a month. I'm like, I, that'd be a beautiful truck payment for me. Honestly, $400. Now, what is that times 12? Yikes. All right. So next, next sermon, we're going to do simple arithmetic here. We're going to put it up on the screen. It's very simple. 12 times 4 is, thank you. <laughs> okay, it's not all lost. $4,800 a year you're giving to restaurants. And it's eye-opening when I tell them that. Do you think that's being a good steward of the money you have? I'll let you answer that. I would encourage you with this whole spend thing, start keeping track. There are oodles of apps that you can get on your phone to keep track of your spending. It really is how, how serious do you want to not be in debt? How serious do you want financial freedom in your life is how much work you're going to put into it. It's just that simple. I can't force you. Your, your spouse probably can't. You can continue to fight about it and argue and struggle and live under the oppression of debt, or you can get serious about it and start doing something. And so the first thing that I would highly encourage you to do is figure out a budget. Listen to what Proverbs tells us. It's biblical. The plans, Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Man, that is on point. Quick to pull out, quick to spend. Haste leads to poverty. It's right there in the Bible. Impulse spending. There is nothing good about it. So are your spending habits draining life? Or are your spending habits giving life? Those are the tough questions. How about the next one? Debt. Exercise wisdom and caution with debt. I don't know a single person that would come up here and say, man, I just love being in debt. Gosh, I love those payments that come every month. I can't wait to open that mailbox and see the, the Chase card payment and my mortgage payment and the car payment and the electric payment and the, and the gas payment. Do I need to keep going? The food payment. I'm going through all the bills that I get too. And then you have kids, which I love very much. But kids are expensive. Kids are really expensive, right? Two kids are even more expensive. And I've got two teenagers. I love them to death. And then when they play sports, it's even more expensive. But it's possible. It's possible to do these things. Exercise wisdom and caution with debt. Here's a fact. You will never save money if you don't eliminate debt. You won't. You can't. It's impossible. As long as you have debt. Proverbs 21.20. Remember, Solomon wrote most of these, the wisest man on earth at the time. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fools gulp theirs down. Years ago, I stopped carrying cash in my wallet. I have 
three $1 bills in there, enough for a cup of coffee if I'm desperate. Because I knew that if I would carry cash and I saw something, I would most likely spend it. So I'm like, well, stop carrying cash. It was really that simple. And now I'm like, well, I don't want it on my credit card because I'm crazy about those. I pay those off at the end of every month. There, I'm not going to give them my free money. There's no way. And so I don't carry a lot of cash. If I don't have it, I won't spend it. Okay? It can be as simple as that. Proverbs 22.7. This one, this one always cuts like a knife. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Boy, ain't that a pick-me-upper today. Guess what? You get tired of paying your mortgage or car payment? Cool, stop. You're going to come home to a big orange sticker on your front door and a lock. Or you're going to come home and your car's gone. So you can stop paying if you want, but the reality is they own you. It ain't your car until you have that title in your hand. It isn't your house until you have that title in your hand. Think about that. Your credit card that you owe money on, you're a slave to them. That drives me crazy. No, no, it's not going to happen. And it simply it starts with the budget, and then it starts with good habits, which are biblical habits. Nobody, I have never met somebody I've counseled who just says, man, I love this debt. I feel so good every night. I can just sleep like a baby knowing I have. The, I looked up a, a, the new amount of the average American debt. $96,371. Yikes. I need, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. I know y'all scared. Yeah. Oh, you might be too big. You look like you lift weights. No, come here. You do lift weights. You look like you eat weights. All right, so just, you just hang out there, all right? Oh, great. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So this is the real deal. All right? I spent, you come out here to the front. What's your first name again? David. David, Bar yeah, David Shields. All right. David, you might be here a long time because oh, you're a healthy young man. Oh, yeah. uh, now, now, that's too easy. So I just want you to put, yes. You don't have any shoulder problems. I don't want you to sue me. No, you good? Rotator cuff is all right? All right, so you just hang out while I keep preaching, okay? So I bought this ball and chain this week. I was going to use a bowling ball. I'm not kidding you. And, and so I'm like, I don't have time to do this. So I, I found one on Amazon, and my wife is like, oh, are you sure you want that one? You know, I said, yeah, I need the real deal. And so what you don't see, David, is, is where the chain is attached to the ball. This was hollow earlier, and I'm like, no, there's probably some big dude's going to come, so i got to fill it up a little bit. I spent, I'm not kidding you, 20 minutes filling that thing with sand because the hole is like, like the size of a pin. So I'm, yesterday I'm out here and I'm filling. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to keep. And here's what I thought. Is it getting heavy? I said, yeah, okay, all right. You're doing good, though. You lasted longer than most people, all right? And I'm filling this, and here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. This is like debt. You slowly put it in here. And as you slowly pour this in, you keep buying things. You buy, buy something here, and then, oh, I like that. And then tomorrow, oh, I like that. And, and it's like you keep adding weight to this. You don't feel it right away. It's not all at once, but it's all these little charges, and they accumulate. And then all of a sudden, you're holding on to this thing. Now, I was going to put it around your wrist, but I was afraid it wouldn't come off, and you don't want to do an illustration like that and have somebody like you get mad at me. So I'm like, I'm just going to make him hold it. But it, could you imagine, David, 
Listen, you can go back to your seat, but you got to hold on to that. And then when you drive home, you got to hold on to it. And that, oh, is this starting to hurt a little bit? You're, don't don't tear anything. All right, but it's tough, right? It only weighs three pounds. Now, three pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have to hold it constantly, it is a lot. It gets painful. Nobody in their right mind would want to walk through life with this thing attached to them. That is what debt does to you right there, right there, except you can't get rid of it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't want injuries here. Give it up for David. That's what debt is like. A little bit here, a little bit here. And, and sometimes you even have, we have good intentions. Oh, it's my niece's birthday. Oh, it's not in a budget. I don't know. I'll just, I'll just charge it. And charging feels good for 30 days until that envelope comes in the mail. And you're like, oh, did you ever charge something and you forgot you charged it? Yikes. Don't be looking at your spouses. Okay, I don't, I don't want to cause any fights here, all right? But I do have some openings this week if we need to talk. I want you to do this. We spent six weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to sit here again. I said this last week. I don't do this to condemn you, shame you, or make you feel guilty. But if you feel a conviction from the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Don't brush that off. Conviction is, is where repentance and the turnaround starts. God isn't shaming you or guilting you. And naughty, 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 bad you. You're never going to. No, that's the enemy. God wants to, you to live a free life. And it's possible. It's possible to take this ball and chain and put it down. If I were to empty this, I thought about it, but my mom cleans and I would never do that to her. If I turned this over and let the sand, it would take a while to drain all this sand out. Debt doesn't go away quickly. But remember, you didn't accumulate it quickly either. Okay? So debt, I, I want you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into your check. I want you to invite your, the Holy Spirit into your wallet. And when you go to pull that card out, and I know we need things. Listen, I'm, you need clothing. You need, that, you need food. I get it. I get it. But do a budget. And when it comes to something you see on the Internet, and that's a whole other story. Some of you all need to take a scissors to that cord and get rid of the Internet because they're playing you for a fool. They keep sending you advertisements, and you keep clicking on them. You'll never defeat the thing that you're feeding. It's not going to happen. But what would happen if you actually, Holy Spirit, do you, do you want me to have that? Do, do, do I need another one of those right now? I've tried to teach my kids this from an early age. It drives them crazy. It drives my wife crazy, too. I'm not a big clothing shopper. And I'll go and I'll look at something and I'll be like, eh, maybe uh, I don't. And I walk away. Very rarely do I buy it when I see it. I take 24 hours. And if I'm like, okay, I really do need that, whatever, I will go back and buy it. Very rarely will I buy it on the spot because I want to invite God into every single purchase. Every purchase. And not just every purchase, but maybe when you're in line. Maybe you're at the grocery store, and I've seen this. 
Single mom, two kids. You can tell she's struggling. She's got the, the simple things. She did change, whatever. I, I don't, uh, uh, put that back. No, no, I got it. I got it. Generosity will radically change your life. And I believe God honors that too. So debt, invite the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to what Romans says, the Apostle Paul. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Apostle Paul, this guy's awesome. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Here's four things that eliminating debt will do. This would be really good to write down because you won't remember these on your own. Eliminating debt, number one, will save you a lot of money in interest. That interest you pay, you might as well just light your money on fire because you're just giving it to somebody else. It goes to nothing good. And if you find yourself in real trouble with your credit cards, you know you can call credit cards up, companies up and say, can you please lower my interest? It's amazing what a kind, nice conversation will do. I've done that for people. 23%, are you crazy? Wow, they're just, they're taking you. So eliminating debt will save you money and interest. Even more than that, it'll save you heartache. Every time you unload a little bit of that debt you have, your heart's gonna start to heal and feel better. It will, I guarantee you it will. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's, it's a heart thing. Remember the, the first sermon I talked about it? It's a heart thing. Money's a heart thing. And some of you need your heart healed because you're so far in debt and the enemy is just beating you. So eliminating that, will, will, it saves you heartache. Here's the next one. There's an emotional weight that comes with debt. There's an emotional weight. You sit there, why did I do that? Why did I buy that? Why, why did I put my family in this situation? How do I get out of that? Every time you start to eliminate debt and you have a plan, you will feel that emotional. It frees you. Living financially free is not just, just being financially free. There's, there's a spiritual and emotional side to this. Jesus wants to you to be free, to live free. And the last thing eliminating debt will do Gets rid of worry. Worry is like cancer, man. It spreads quickly, quickly. But you know what? We've come a long way with cancer, haven't we? And we serve, we serve a mighty God that can do anything. I believe when we get serious about our finances and we get serious about debt, God honors that. When we start making right moves, watch what God will do. Here's the third thing. Give. This is where it gets super quiet. Don't check out. Give. Give. Now, this is going to sound weird, but put God to the test. I said it, and I'm going to use Scripture to back it up. Malachi 3.10, powerful Scripture. In fact, it's the only time in the Bible you will find where it says, put me to the test, the Lord says. The only time. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Please don't take this as prosperity gospel. It's purpose gospel. 
We are not a prosperity preaching church. We are a purpose driven church. And the Lord tells us that we are to bring the 10% into the storehouse. He didn't do it because he's a mean God. He's, he's trying to take, he owns it all. Remember we talked about that. We're not owners, we're managers. And God is allowing you to manage the 100% he gave you. And he's saying, I don't want 90%, 10%. Just 10%. Remember when I said 10% of $10 is a dollar? Oh, that's easy. Nobody's bothered by that. Well, now you make $100. I, I can give 10 well, now you make $1,000. I got to give 100. Why does it change? The percentage hasn't changed. I got news for you. The percentage hasn't changed. Why do you think you're now making the $1,000? It's because of him. We read that earlier. It is God who promotes all good things. All perfect gifts come from above. This is the one where, where we struggle. And it would be so freeing if we would just step out in faith. And so we talked about this as a staff. This is where it gets real on week three. I'll tell you what we used to do as a church. We're not going to do it anymore. Is we used to have little cards that said tithing challenge. And we would hand them out. And we would say, today is a tithing challenge. It is not meant to hurt you or freak you out or make you feel bad where you're at in your life. No, 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 no. This is between you and God. And we tell you, you put it on your refrigerator. If you take it off, your refrigerator stops working, you know, all that stuff, which isn't true. But today, here and West Lawn, Pastor Scott's probably doing it right about now. We are challenging every person. It's between you and God. I'm not asking you to fill anything out. I'm not giving you anything. I'm simply asking, will you step out in faith? Will you start tithing? It's not because we need it. Let, 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 me, let me tell you some, some things that, that happen when you start tithing. It, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing, amazing thing that happens. It is a demonstration, a demonstration of my trust and my confidence in God and his faithfulness to provide. It is a big trust thing because you're saying, okay, Lord, your word tells me 10%. I'm doing it. But now you have to step out and live on the 90%. And you will truly learn what it means to trust God and have confidence that he will be faithful in all things. Why can we believe God with an eternal salvation of our souls, but we can't trust him with money? Think about it. We trust him with our children and our job and all these huge air, our health. But that money thing, I don't know. He tells us if we do this, then it's an if then statement. If we give back, then he will open the windows of heaven. Blessings will come. Here's what else tithing will do. It will, it will break the hold of materialism in your life because you're going to have to reassess what's really important to you. And see, that makes us uncomfortable here in America because somewhere along the line, we, we think we deserve whatever we want. Really? 
How can we feel that way when we see our brother, our sister in need? It doesn't feel right. We all sit here incredibly blessed. I don't care where you're at in the income level. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed country financially. Here's the last thing tithing will do every time. It will build his kingdom before my kingdom. I know, it's getting super silent. I miss my wife because she would look at me and smile. And You're doing a good job. I'm just getting down to the real nitty-gritty here. What's more important to you? Your kingdom that someday ain't going to be yours, you're going to leave it with somebody else or they're going to take it or whatever, or his kingdom. See, in order to think of his kingdom, you got to be eternally minded. we got to get our eyes off of just here and now. I, I get it. we got to pay the bills. we got to pay the mortgage. I get it. I, we got to be responsible. I understand. But when you invite the Holy Spirit into your checkbook, it's really going to make you reassess your priority. If you really want to know what's important to somebody, let me see your bank statement. Well, what for? Well, where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your money? And I'm talking to me too. I'm talking to me too. Because I've made some bad financial decisions in my life. And there were ramifications and it took a while to recover. But what's more important? His kingdom or your kingdom? Why do you have a kingdom? It's because of him, right? So what if, remember in the beginning, I said those, those, three, those three categories, spend, save, give. What if we flip it? What if we flip the script? What if we, we, we flip it to give first, save second, and spend third. Could it, really, could it really be that easy? That if I flip the script and I truly trust God and his word and, and I give for, what would happen to you and your finances? What would happen to you and your heart? What would happen to you and your outlook? What would happen to you and your perspective? If you, if you gave first, you saved, and then you spent. What would happen? What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. God would honor that. 